which is something that I've come to find is really obnoxious about the evaluations that you get when you present at a show is that they're not super specific either. And they typically are just circle this presenter on a scale of one to five. And so you either get people circling all fives with a, yay, love this presenter, keep hiring them back. Or someone that circles all ones. I don't like what this person stands for. I hate them. (laughs) It's like all you get. So you don't really get to figure out what it is that you do that people enjoy and which maybe you should be doing more of. So yeah, I think the, the more specific you can be, the better. And yeah, it stings a little bit sometimes, but that's okay. You throw out the super highs and you throw out the super lows and you take everything in the middle. Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Many of you will recognize her voice. Cameron Shinati from Stages Indoor Cycling is joining me. Hi, Cameron. Hi, John. You were on a roll, so I didn't want to stop you. (laughs) A rant, you mean. Well, no, not a rant, but it was, uh, right, getting feedback is, is really important for growth, but it's difficult to get it sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, people are asked to fill out surveys and questionnaires on a daily basis. And so you have to be a bit creative in getting them to actually give you good feedback. And it does start with being specific. What would you recommend? Well, we've got a handout that we've been using at Stages in Recycling that's kind of fun. And it's written in sort of a letter format that just basically tells the people that are taking your class, hey, I am a fitness professional and I take what I do really seriously. And I would love it if you could help me grow um, because right now I'm working on being the best that I can be. And I want to be uh, an effective communicator. That's one of the words that we like to use. Uh, Communicator, I like that. So, and I want to know what works for for you all and why it is that you give up an hour of your week or of your day to spend it with me as an instructor. And if you're forced to spend that hour with me, meaning this is the only time you can work out, what can I do to make things work a bit better for you? All right. Well, this if, if you're listening to this in your car or on your iPhone, uh, this will be episode number 314. And we'll be providing this handout that Cameron's talking about as a link on that post. What's so important about being specific in the questions you ask? Most of us don't actually want to hear feedback about how we're doing. We just want to hear, you're great, I love you, I hate to say it, but hero worship. And that doesn't actually leverage your skills. It doesn't help you. It it doesn't really um, do anything other than put you on a pedestal. And I hate to say it, but in our industry, we probably need to step down off the pedestal, step down off the instructor platform and realize that really you're just facilitating, you're facilitating an experience and you're facilitating exercise and you can't reach everybody in the club, but the people that are there, it is your duty to support them in every possible way. 
And so by asking them these specific questions, what is it that's unique about the way that I teach to you? Or what do you think is special? Or what am I genetically programmed to do? I know that sounds kind of odd, but but you'd be surprised what people will will write. It won't be the extrinsic things like, oh, you have a great playlist or oh, I like the outfits you wear when you teach, and I like 9.30 a.m., they will actually take the time to think, well, what is it about this person that makes that 60 minutes go by faster for me? As I'm looking through this, the survey that you're offering for people to fill out, uh, you know, the first question that you're asking is, what are my top five personality traits or quirks? Be really honest. <laughs> Have you have you actually done this, Cameron? And what was the response? <laughs> oh my heavens! Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> Oddly enough, one of the things that comes back for me the most, and it's funny because I wrote this, um, is quirky. I don't even know if that's a personality trait, but I guess yes, I am a little bit quirky. This has gone both ways in my favor and against me, but I am often told that I am informative. And I know that about myself as an instructor. And so for people that like it, they typically say, um, I, I learn so much from your funny, quirky sense of humor and the information that you somehow put into class or something along those lines. Um, but that can go the opposite way where someone, I've had several people say, I just want to exercise. I don't want you to teach me so much. And it's interesting because as a person that spends 50-50 time teaching to instructors and then teaching to regular everyday participants, um, you kind of have to make a switch in your language. And sometimes I don't think I'm very good at making that switch. I tend to teach as an educator um, and that's my default. So sometimes I, real, I, I know I need to dial it back a notch. I don't need to tell them the ins and outs of indoor cycling. I just need to help them get a good workout and have a good time. Exactly. Yeah, I was working on the, the free Friday track for today, and part of my, my objective it was um, music that I don't need to talk over. Yes, those are good tracks to find. Right, where, you know, so the idea is that you're going to let, use the music to communicate what you're going to do and not feel like you need to be constantly speaking at people because I do get some little feedback. I don't even ask for it. And that uh, we don't need to hear that so many times, John. <laughs> it's funny. The first time you hear that stuff, you're like, oh, really? And then you look at it and you think about it a little more and you go, yeah, actually, that's totally right on. That's that's me. That's who I am. And if it's something that really bothers you, you can consider how to um, make small changes. Or maybe it just means that you're not well suited to um, either the time slot or the type of facility you're in. I mean, this kind of opens up a whole other can of worms, but it, it does let you know, are you teaching to to the people that will best get what it is that you have to say and, and will relate to you. Um, in fact, I think I was listening to one of your, this is a, an old podcast, but, um, one with Ben Greenfield and mm -hmm. he was discussing, um, the triathletes that, that tend to come to his class. And I remember you asked him, well, how is it that you transitioned your class from being 
party on a bike people to triathletes. And for those of you that don't know, Ben Greenfield is um, an Ironman triathlete extraordinaire, very prolific um, in the online space of all things related to, um, well, triathlon and, and just fitness in general. He's got stuff all over the place. But just based on his knowledge and his expertise uh, in in triathlon, he just happened to draw those people to him because they knew that he was um, very involved with training for his own events and was giving away a lot of information to people that would be valuable to those that are in the triathlon space. And so over time, it just ended up being that way. So uh, you could go about it that route for sure. Um, But, you know, I can tell you very firsthand that I'm probably not the best person to be teaching like a 6 p.m. after work class or a 5.30. I just, that slot has never worked for me. Um, I think maybe it's because people are decompressing and they just want someone to destroy them and not necessarily tell them anything. And I'm probably a little too talkative for that group. So I know that about myself. Got it. Well, that falls right into the second question. And it's interesting, you've left a lot of place for people to write on this form. How am I unique? This question can be perceived in many different ways. All interpretations are welcome. (laughs) I just have to laugh about myself because this does open it up. It's like Pandora's box here. Um, How am I unique? Special with, with quotations around it. Are you asking for a comparison here? Oh, am I asking for a comparison? Uh, no. Or or do you get responses that are, well, you're different than Jim or Cindy or something like that? Um, I have. So I've seen this one quite a bit, which I don't want to say it's disheartening, but it just shows me that there is room for growth in our community of indoor cycling. But I have often seen uh under that how am i unique question you plan for class (laughs) which um i don't know if that has anything to do with my unique characteristics but it clearly means and the way they interpreted it is they're not seeing that very often Mm -hmm. um so yes i suppose that could be unique um I've a lot of people take this and they're kind of cutesy with this because it does it's a little uncomfortable for people as well, especially if you have a class full of regulars and they wonder, will she figure out that this is from me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, I'm sitting here thinking of my class. And what I was referring about saying when people say you don't need to say that so often is I I forget that, you know, these people have been in front of me for years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't need to hear it again. But but at the same time, it would be interesting to to get their perspective as to. Maybe not compare in a competitive sense, but just how am I different? How am I unique? Yeah, and and they'll sometimes tell you um, just really interesting things. I mean, I've had another person say you're unique because you were the first person that got me to like exercise, and I guess that's I should be happy about that. Uh, Absolutely. And so, yeah, people do interpret it in many many different ways. Some will be cutesy, some will be very serious, and it's always interesting to see how they respond. Next up is, what special talents do you think I'm genetically programmed to do? Yeah, that's one of my favorites. That could go a lot of different directions. It could. (laughs) 
<laughs> you were meant to be a star. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm always happy with this one when it comes back. Um, education, you know, you were meant to teach people. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's bikes or, or whatever fitness, you know, it just teaching people how to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just teach people how to ah, empower. That's the word I'm looking for to empower people to take the information that you are providing them and do something with it. So hopefully I'm teaching them in such a way that when I'm not there or when they're not under the guidance of some other instructor, they can figure out how to formulate a workout um, that works for them. What do I offer you besides a great workout? This one can get really serious really fast because you realize that there are a lot of people out there that maybe aren't ever speaking to their spouse or they don't have somebody in their life um, to use as a sounding board. And it's always fascinating to me when people say, um, you know, besides being a friend for them or um, a sounding board, I mean, people will often say, I, and I think I've told you this before, I typically teach at six in the morning, which I'm about to get started back to doing here soon, uh, post baby, which I'm a little scared about 6am now. Um, but my 6am crowd, you know, oftentimes I'm the first person that they actually speak to in the morning. So, um, you can sort of make or break people's day at six in the morning. And, so when people say it's really nice to have you um, help me get my day started out on the right foot by, you know, saying hi to me and asking about my day. I mean, there, as we all know, there's so much more to this than just simply um, thrash them and leave. So uh, it, it's a good reminder that what you do is important and not because we as the leaders are important, but because we do leave an impression everywhere we go. And you never know what that impression is going to be. No. And oftentimes it's different than you think too, which is why this survey is so cool. Well, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, I lead the group rides or a number of group rides for lifetime outdoor rides. Mm -hmm. And two Tuesdays ago, we ride on Tuesday nights. And I'm just standing on my bike waiting for the group to get ready and go guy rides up to me and he says points at me he says hey you're john aren't you and i'm like uh yeah <laughs> and he says i'm here because of you Ooh. And he says my name's pat and i took your class once and you really motivated me and and i left there thinking wow this you know this cycling could be cool and then kind of as a bit of serendipity the following week i subbed a class that he also participates in and I don't remember him, but he said that we chatted and I gave him some, you know, some little pointers to get started and everything else. And he says he took that and he went out and bought a road bike and started riding and the guy's awesome. <laughs> Aren't those <laughs> and, the best? I just love that when that happens. Yeah. And you, you have to talk to so many people before you're going to influence one or two. And, and many times you don't ever know you did, but this was, yeah, just a hugely complimentary thing. It's enough to fuel you through the next 10 years of your teaching career, the highs and the lows. It just takes a couple of those to make it all worth it. Right. Yeah. You haven't uh, heard it because I haven't published it. I just recorded it this morning uh, with uh, an instructor named Christian Noni, and he 
uh, is actually in the process of recruiting for a new studio that they're coming up with. And, and I asked him, I said, well, how do you decide? He says, well, he's looking for somebody that has a story, some, some life event that is the basis of their passion, not just that they want to teach. That is a cool way to find right. how, talent. Yeah, Love how to it. sort through it. And so he can very quickly decide, you know, are you just somebody that wants to teach because you want to be up in front of everybody? That, that's probably not going to sustain you. Uh, but yeah, and so, you know, because my passion has always been, you know, I love riding outdoors and I love, uh, you know, encouraging people to ride outside. I'm uh, also encouraging couples to ride a tandem if they can work through the uh, the marital side of it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, so to be successful at that, that's that's wonderful. So you've you've gotten a couple of responses to your little survey. Uh, what do you do with them? Yeah, that's a good question. It almost should be, what do you not do with them? Because I think instructors have a tendency to take these things so very personally that they often shy away from this type of evaluation. Um, And they certainly, I've found, shy away from self-evaluation, which is another component of this as well. Um, Because it's just it's hard to think about yourself critically, especially if it appears by all means that everything you're doing is awesome. You know, if your class is packed, um, there's always a wait list. Why would you change anything? Well, there's always room for improvement. Self-improvement is where it starts. But when it comes to looking at these, I've just kind of pulled together a few recommendations. And, and this is based off of what I've learned um, in taking feedback uh, from conferences. So, Um, When we present at fitness conferences, typically for most conferences, there is some sort of a feedback form after the fact. And usually it's not very robust. I mean, it's like a circle, circle this number on a scale of one to five, five being this instructor was amazing and I want to bring them back. And one being I didn't learn a thing and I never want to see them again. And they circle and maybe write a sentence or two. But you generally get a lot of them, depending on how many sessions you taught. There's generally a huge pile. And uh, I have talked to many colleagues where they they dread this. This is like the worst part of of being a presenter is because of the scary things that they're worried about people saying and which, which I think is too bad. So one of the tips that I always tell people is, you know, first of all, don't read them right after class because you need to be in the right frame of mind to do so. Um, sit on it for a while and, you know, be, I suppose, um, be in a good mood and be introspective and willing to take feedback and know that the highest highs and the absolute lows, those should probably be tossed aside because, you know, there's always some crazy stuff that goes on. So let's throw the crazy out and just look at what the bulk of your participants are saying and try to take that stuff to heart. So don't read it right after class. Um, Try not to take it personally and just be be brave in the whole process and know that you probably will learn something about yourself and you know you don't have to do an overhaul of who you are but just try to think about it from from their perspective and that really does make a a big difference okay so if you don't read it right after class Cameron when will you read them oh friday or saturday night's probably good um maybe a glass of wine in your hand i don't know <laughs> 
But yeah, actually having someone around you that could be moral support for you is probably good, especially if... To hold your hand. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're a sensitive creature, that might be a good idea. Because if this is the first time you've ever done this before, I mean, it really is altering, uh, mind altering when you recognize that something that you have perceived about yourself is not true um, or it's not how you thought it to be. And I I know I've had a conversation with someone um, that went through a training of ours and they did this and kind of emailed email me back, uh, gosh, like six months later. And they said, you know, what was really hard for me in doing this, um, was I realized through these feedback forms that many of the cues that I give to my participants, particularly related to form, um, that I myself was not executing correctly. So here I am telling people, I think she said to, um, you know, not bounce around in the saddle and, someone called her out on it and said, you're always bouncing around. You're always moving around in the saddle. And so she filmed herself and looked back at it and went, oh my gosh, you know, here I am saying one thing and and not realizing that um, I was doing it incorrectly. So, and and that's not a perfect example, but, but that can be um, definitely um, sort of a, a shock when you realize that kind of stuff. So, so being in the frame of mind to accept that and, and, you know, you don't have to take action on it right away. Just pull out a, a journal or a notebook or something and look at reoccurring themes. What keeps coming back um, in your surveys? And if you agree with it, great. Keep that in mind. Take it to heart. If you disagree with it, ask yourself why. And, you know, write about it. It's one of the best ways for you to to learn about it in the future. And I like to typically try to pull up the one thing that keeps coming up more than once. Um, you know, maybe it's a word or a phrase. I, I mentioned earlier quirky. That tends to come up a lot with mine. Um, lovable nerd was another one. Mm-hmm. But those are terms of <laughs> I'll, endearment. I'll, I'll embrace those. Those are fine. Yes. Um, but yeah, talkative, over talkative. I've definitely gotten that before. Um information overload. That's another one I've gotten. So these are, these are things that I, I now have, you know, experienced it enough that, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. And I just know that depending on my audience, I need to be very cognizant of how I'm delivering information, but I'm okay now. That's cool. I've had enough glasses of wine with my, uh, various surveys and questionnaires that I'm okay with that now. (laughs) So to keep notes or journal about it, how do you keep yourself from overcorrecting? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Because um, you can let one squeaky wheel, as I like to say, kind of wreck you, and then you go full tilt the other direction, and that's not what people want either. Um, I think the the best way is to just think incrementally. So if um, I'll I'll use the over talkative one. Okay, so I'm. Clearly, there's people in my class that think I'm giving too much information or more than they want, or perhaps they just want to hear the music. So one of the little tricks that I think every instructor should try, just because it's harder than you think, is to pick a great song. You even mentioned this, John. Pick a great song and try to not say a word for two minutes. So you clearly have to give them instruction in advance so they know what they're supposed to do over those two minutes. But 
But being a person with a microphone in front of your face and not saying anything for two minutes, that's hard. That's really hard to do, especially when you're talkative. So there are small things like that that you can do. And, you know, we're not saying remain silent the entire class, but that might just give that person enough breathing room that the person that wrote that particular um, comment that they might notice it. And who knows, they might thank you for it. Well, awesome. I appreciate this. But I have to apologize, Cameron, because our goal go- going into this was to keep this really short. But, oh, right. But we failed. About- <laughs> we failed. <laughs> but I, bet- I can see the comment cards now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think these are different. And Cameron, I just so much enjoy this. And and I think all of our listeners are going to appreciate this. And, and I would really encourage you to not only actually go through this exercise, you know, step out of your comfort zone, try it. It's better than getting a comment card from that your department head's coming after you with. And because you control them, you could always burn them very if they true. were very bad. Um, <laughs> if you've gone through this, you know, let us know what happened. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd really like it. And, and, and actually, I think, Cameron, you're asking people to go over to your Facebook page and post a picture if you've heard this and you've gone through this, you know, post, take a picture with some of your participants and post it over at the Stages Indoor Cycling Facebook page. Yeah, I, we would love that. I, I, these kind of stories are, um, it's just so great to hear because inevitably there is some sort of self-growth that takes place. And if there's one thing that this industry, this niche of the industry could use more than any other is people that are willing to grow, not just in the professional side of what they do, but as people we would certainly see a lot of amazing things happen in the indoor cycling space if everybody took the time to make those changes. Well said. Thank you, Cameron. A pleasure as always, John. John. 